It's time to have lunch and talk sports. The Jeff Dantzler Show on the Superstations. You ever done that? I was looking for my phone charger, and I pulled it out of my bag, and I go through my whole bag, and I'm thinking, my gosh, I must have left it in the hotel room at wherever I was last time, Starkville, Mississippi. But lo and behold, it's sitting right out as we scramble around from Foley Field. Frank and Carol Beltran Radio Booth. Good warm-up for yours truly today. It is lunchtime in Athens. <sighs> Thank you so much for being with us. Opening day for Georgia baseball has arrived here on February the 16th. So thank you so much for joining us. And, of course, you can listen to Georgia baseball all season long on the Superstations because Bill Shanks does not get preempted. That's the way legends go. You can catch the great David Johnston and yours truly tonight after the Bill Shanks show. So away we go with lunchtime in Athens from America's greatest college town. Hello in central Georgia. Make it. Montezuma. Warner Robbins. That's where our producer Chris Rogers is from. Greetings in Perry and Fort Valley. Down into Pinehurst. Rochelle. Waycross. The home of the great Bill Shanks. In Blackshear. Eastman. Cochran. Hawkinsville. Tifton. Ashburn. Cordell. And Unadilla. Big hello from Athens, GA. If you're a dog fan, hard to find a better seat than what I've got right now. And the perch overlooking the beautiful playing field at Foley Field. Hello, Savannah, Wilmington Island, out to Tybee Light, Brunswick, GA, and, of course, the Golden Isles, St. Simons, Jekyll Island, and Sea Island, to the 912, the 478, and the 229 from the 706, along with Mr. Chris Rogers, our superb producer. My name is Jeff Dantzler. The phone numbers, if you'd like to join us today, 478 646 Three seven seven six. That's four seven eight six four six. ESPN. And of course, you can shoot me a tweet at Jeff Dantzler TV, and just let us know where you're listening from. And we've had listeners from all across Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama. That we had Jeremy call us from Memphis yesterday. Listeners in Mississippi, at least in the hallway while I was doing my show in. Starkville earlier this year in New Orleans and Texas, out west in Arizona, California. Still got to get Albuquerque, New Mexico in there, home of Walter White. In Portland and Seattle, back east to Chicago and up north in Pennsylvania, New York City, Vermont, Boston, Mass, and in the mid-Atlantic, Maryland, Virginia, and D.C. We thank you so much for listening. This show, the Bill Shank Show, Easy to stream, and all of our interviews and the full shows can be downloaded as well. And you can stream it along, as I say, always being a common idiot when it comes to technology. If I can do it, so can you. It is very user-friendly. This is not a computer program written for computer people. This was a computer program and a website done for sports fans. So, yeah, if you want to go back and, say, find the interviews that Bill did with Alex Anthopoulos or the one we had with Malcolm Mitchell or Kevin Butler, it's just easy to do. Just go to thesuperstations.com. So we'll talk a little baseball here today and get you set for the weekend, a big weekend in Georgia sports. And uh, for college sports, I get it. Big picture uh, with the Super Bowl being last weekend, it's a bit of a lull because we've got, obviously, a while – 
before March Madness, before baseball season and the majors gets going, and, of course, the Masters, the second full weekend in April. But what you do have right now uh, for college sports and for college sports fans, there is a lot going on. And there are, starting with today's baseball game, 14 University of Georgia athletic teams competing. So that mid to late February through early March is just a golden, golden time, and I love it. And I've said many times Georgia football has been the center of my universe for as long as I can remember my whole life. But this time of year is really, really hard to beat. And savor every day of it. I remember going back, and not to bring up a bad time, but the week before the world stopped back in 2020, uh, we had baseball, basketball, tennis, gymnastics, all at home in Athens, and everybody won. Baseball swept tech. Men's and women's hoops both won. Men's tennis beat Tennessee and Ohio State. Women's tennis beat Tennessee. And it was just an epic weekend here in Athens. The town was full of life. Uh, Marker 7 and Hilltop Grill, owned by my good friend Chris Lloyd. Hilltop, of course, where Kevin Butler and I do the Bulldog Brunch. Marker 7 ran out of food. I mean, the, the town was just slammed. And Emily and I sat out with some of our friends at a, a local pizza joint and just enjoyed what a great weekend it was. And it was one of those uncharacteristic, you know, those days we do get in February. Kind of like today, we're going to hit the upper 60s here in Athens, and I'm sure down on the coast and down in Macon, you might even touch 70 today. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. Then, of course, the world got turned upside down about 10 days later. So, But I just remember thinking at that point, this is just really awesome. And, of course, we had won and everything, so that was great. But when you've got that kind of activity, because I, I get it too, no, no matter who your, your school is, we're talking Georgia here, football weekends, there's nothing like it. it it's the greatest. This time of year is hard to beat. But also, on football weekends, everybody's got your routine. And I understand that so many of my friends have been tailgating at the same spot year after year. Maybe you go to the same restaurant every Friday night. Maybe you grill out on Friday nights. So it's one of those deals where you have that routine. And then also, I think the town is so packed, and especially if it's a major game, like, say, when Tennessee rolled in here, two years ago or Ole Miss last year, a top 10 versus top 10 matchup. And along with the over 90,000 fans in the seats, they're probably an extra 30 or 40,000 people in town that just want to soak up the atmosphere and will hang out in five points in downtown Athens, just watch the game on TV. So it can be a little intimidating to go out. Uh, if you want to say – venture downtown trying to find something to eat or venture out in five points on game day weekends it can be tough and i know for the restaurants here in athens at some point again talking with chris and some other friends that own restaurants you get to a a max capacity where you can only do so much business so that's why this time of year it's not at all intimidating to, to go out anywhere but there's so much going on so i invite every georgia fan this is a great time of year just look at the schedule whatever your favorite sports are your favorite teams or you say, like, hey, I want to try that and you know, find a weekend when baseball's playing, when tennis is playing, get your tickets, basketball, come on up and enjoy a great weekend in America's greatest college town. 
uh, yesterday I ran through some of the strengths for the Bulldogs and, of course, starting with Charlie Condon, uh, for my money, the best player in the country. Uh, he was redshirted two years ago, which was a misstep, and no shade being thrown. I loved our pass coach, Scott Strickland. He's a great guy, and he did a lot of excellent things for the program and had a, a very, very good staff with a lot of great guys. Unfortunately, we just came up short, and our J. Reed Parker, director of athletics, Josh Brooks, felt like, it was time for a change, and I love Wes Johnson, the new head coach here at Georgia. So, again, not trying to throw anything on, on Coach Strickland, who's a friend, and all of our coaches really going back to, to Robert Sapp when I became the full-time lead play-by-play announcer for Georgia. But Coach Sapp was great. Love Coach Polk, Coach Perno, a, a close friend, and I love Coach Strickland too. But it was a misstep, red-shirting Charlie Condon. Anyways, as a red-shirt freshman last year, I don't know why I just – went into that deep dive. Uh, he had 386 with 25 home runs and 67 RBIs. He was second in the SEC in batting, Dylan Cruz from LSU. LSU won the national title with Coach Johnson as the pitching coach. And Dylan Cruz was the national player of the year. And he was second in the SEC, Charlie Condon was, in home runs to Florida's Jack Caglione, who fell to LSU in the final. So they played a lot more games. Charlie led the league in slugging. He was top 10 in, in runs scored and RBIs, all the stats. He is a dude. And there are a lot of new faces. The other regular position players who are returning, Corey Collins and Fernando Gonzalez, both battled injuries last year. Sebastian Murillo came on late in the year. But there's a lot of new faces. Most likely you'll see Colby Branch, who's a transfer from Baylor at shortstop. Uh, Paul Tate likely projects as a second base, but he's a transfer from Purdue, and both of those players won their team's triple crowns a year ago. I got a transfer from Mississippi State named Slade Alford, who hit nine home runs, seven of those in Southeastern Conference play, and uh, most likely the center fielder will be Dylan Carter, who shockingly has a lot of speed, and that's one of those spots. If you're not good in center field in the SEC, you're just – not going to win a whole lot, but he can go get him. He's a transfer from Texas Tech, hit six home runs a year ago as well. So those are just some of the names and faces. Uh, the opening day starter for Georgia scheduled to be Charlie Goldstein. I always say a prayer before the season. Please, please, please. And I know Bill does this with the Braves. Please just let our pitching stay healthy. And at the very least, if you make it to the postseason, let that pitching be healthy in the postseason. And uh, Charlie didn't pitch two years ago, but put in the work and came back and uh, was very good as, as we just got riddled with injuries. And he went 3-2 and two with a 5.03 ERA. And there, there's a good crop of sophomore pitchers. Again, the previous staff put together a, a good, good, good group of arms with Jarvis Evans, Leighton Finley, Matthew Hoskins, Colton Smith, and hopefully a Hoskins, big hard thrower, uh, got injured last year. He'll be back later in the year. Uh, a, a big key for Georgia key components going to be Chandler Marsh. He was four and one with a sub four ERA as a freshman last year. He was one and three with a 5.46 ERA and 23 appearances. Terrific young man, excellent talent. Uh, but he is one of those guys. If Georgia's going to have a great year, we'll need for him to really emerge as being either a frontline starter or a back end stopper in that bullpen. Uh, 20 arms on this Georgia pitching staff. So uh, you'll have to bear with me and Dave as we uh, get used to these names and faces. 
There are going to be a lot of them out here. And one of the things that Coach Johnson said, I think you're going to see a lot of players used in different situations, et cetera, different positions, et cetera. And then uh, once you get into SEC play in week five, you need to be set and have that lineup how you like it and have those position players how you like it and obviously have your pitching set. You want that three-man rotation for the weekends. You want that Tuesday, that midweek starter, and you want to get that bullpen set. All right, so, again, love this coaching staff. There is one holdover from the previous staff, Brock Bennett, uh, who did a terrific job for Coach Strickland's staff. And we've got a good, good group of guys and excited about this season. So we'll keep on talking some Georgia baseball. If you want to talk some Braves, that's cool as well. We'll bring up those uh, uh, four things, those four questions, areas of concern. Again, the four things that Georgia uh, looking to tackle as we head into spring practice, which begins next month as well. All right, Chris Rogers doing a great job back at Mission Control. My name is Jeff Dantzler. I hope that you are having a great day, and we appreciate you being with us here on a fabulous Friday afternoon from America's greatest college town. My name's Jeff Dancer, live today from the Frank and Carol Beltran booth here at beautiful Foley Field, getting ready for opening day for Georgia Baseball 2024 here on the Superstations. Oh, yeah. That one's going to get you going there. Stones, please, that don't tattoo you from 1980. Start me up. Classic. We had a great relief pitcher, All-American, back on our 2004 College World Series SEC Championship team named Will Startup. And he would roll in to start me up, as you might imagine. And isn't it funny, though, with, with some of your favorite players, the phenomenon of walk-up songs, you just you hear that song, you think of that player. As I said, I think especially in this neck of the woods, Chipper Jones with Crazy Train. There are a lot of people if they hear that song, the first thing they want to say is, "Now batting, Chipper Jones." And of course, Mariano Rivera came up to enter Sandman, and that's probably one of those deals too for the great players. Hey, you don't want to do anything to jinx anything, so. If you're having success, it's working year after year like it did for Mariano Rivera and Chipper Jones. Why would you change it? Coach Johnson played a great story. He was talking about his days in pro ball and uh, actually got to spend a little time with Rod Carew, one of the greatest players ever and one of the all-time great hitters in the history of the game. Love Rod Carew. And Somebody was talking about walk-up songs, and he said something. You know, Wes, you hear about these walk-up songs. He goes, I, I, I had one that was my favorite. And Wes goes, hey, what, Roger? You played in the 60s, 70s, 80s. It was before your time. Said, nah. Mine was a national anthem. When I heard that, I knew I was going to get at least two hits that day. I thought that was a good story. Uh, so the dogs are getting set to take batting practice here, opening day, college baseball around the country. And college baseball's done it great job here over the last 25 years or so getting more organized a lot of teams used to start in late january i mean the, the gators often would would play a, a series of last weekend in january teams like arizona state 
Hawaii, San Diego State, they would start early. But to have this this uniform start date, same number of games for everybody, 56 games, it's terrific, and everybody gets going at the same time. And when college baseball back in 2000 went to the regional, super regional format where he had six-team, four-team regionals, and then the eight super regionals with those eight winners advancing to the College World Series, it just did wonders because it didn't absolutely just drain everybody's pitching staff. It's been great for the game, and it's gotten more events on campus. And I think for me, as a lifelong Georgia fan, some of my most cherished memories with the Georgia Bulldogs came between 2001 and 2008 when David Perno was the coach here and uh, and Ron Polk in 2001, then the 04, 06, and 08 teams with Coach Perno uh, went to the College World Series. We won uh, four regionals here and three super regionals here. Back in 2004, uh, we won a super regional at Tech, two games to none, which was mighty nice, but just had some memorable and unforgettable games. And another thing that, that Coach Johnson has done, he has really embraced the history here at the University of Georgia. He's talked uh, so much about how he loves Athens. The, of course, the Georgia faithful have embraced Georgia's new baseball coach. And uh, he has said to all our alumni and lettermen, come back. I want you around. Uh, I want you to, to be a part of this. So that's been very special to feel that connection. Again, first pitch today set for 3 o'clock with a 2.40 airtime. And again, here on the Superstations, we'll have that in a tape-delayed broadcast following the Bill Shank Show where Chris Rogers will be in action as well. Uh, Christopher Lakos from the Georgia Sports Information Office will stop in to say hello in just a moment. Chris uh, is just the best at what he does. He's been Georgia's baseball SID since 1993. So we'll you know, kind of continue to preview this thing a bit here. And, again, you can listen to Georgia baseball throughout the year, all season long right here on the Superstations. Now let's talk a little Georgia football for a moment here. And I, I talked about four areas, and everybody does this. You, you make the list. And it's a lot more fun talking about these things uh, when you're coming off of a two-national championship, back-to-back national championship stretch, 13-1 and one Orange Bowl champions, 42-2 and two the last three years, 46-2 and two over the last 48 games dating back to the final four games of the 2020 campaign. Uh, but for Georgia, again, I, I think four areas and, you know, again, if you just want to say concern or four things to tackle, just the elite loss of talent. I mean, Brock Bowers, Lad McConkey, Cedric Van Pran, Javon Bullard, these are guys amongst the very best to ever play at Georgia. We're talking about players who scored touchdowns and made critical plays and played tremendously in national championship games, college football playoff contest against Tech, Florida, Auburn, Tennessee. When you think about Lad McConkie, guy scored touchdowns in the college football playoff, national championship games against Florida, Auburn, and Tech and Tennessee. Not a lot of players have done that through the years. Of course, same thing for Brock Bowers. Best tight end ever play the game. Cedric Van Pran, as good as any center George has ever had. Javon Bullard was a defensive player of the game when Georgia beat TCU for the national championship. So just that elite talent. And George obviously lost a lot of other fantastic players. You know, Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint was great. Tyke Smith had a great year. Kamari Lassiter, I think, was the best cornerback in the SEC a year ago. So just elite talent. But I think in particular with Bowers, McConkie, 
and Van Pran, just great leaders. Those guys won all the awards, and they just embodied everything that's been so wonderful about Georgia football in the Kirby Smart era. Uh, next, we just mentioned a lot of these names, losing Lassiter, losing Tyke Smith, losing Javon Bullard to the NFL draft. That secondary, which was tremendous last year, there's going to be a turnover and personnel. So how's that secondary going to play this year? And you know for Kirby, he's going to say that's his top concern, the old defensive back and DB's coach. Uh, moving on, on the defensive front, can Georgia get those disruptors on the interior of the defensive line? Uh, that's going to be essential. As we've said many times, Georgia had a fantastic defensive line last year, one of the five or six best in college football. The year before, Georgia had the best one. Jalen Carter, who was the best interior defensive lineman in the country, was a big reason for that. The year before that, Georgia had maybe the best defensive line in the history of college football. Now you're going back and talking about Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Trayvon Walker, Devontae Wyatt, four eventual first-round picks. Of course, Davis, Wyatt, and Walker, who was a top overall pick, were all first-rounders in the 2022 draft, and then Carter was a first-rounder in the 2023 draft. And that was a big reason that defense was a generationally great defense, just having those disruptors to shut down the run and to create pressure on the passer without having a blitz. And that meant time and areas of concern for your backers and your defensive backs to do other things which is always nice. Football always starts up front. And then finally, I think the running game. It was unfortunately rare for Georgia last year uh, with, with the injuries. The injury bug bit badly a year ago. It, it seemed like we never had Bowers, McConkey, Dejon Edwards, Kendall Melton all healthy at the same time. And, my goodness, we got a, a dose of that in the Orange Bowl. Florida State certainly did, didn't we? With Milton and Edwards, both had great games. Those guys, good, hard runners. You're, you're talking about that tailback position. George's got three true freshmen coming in, and Trevor ATN transferring from Florida. Uh, Branson Robinson, that was a big blow with him getting hurt in the spring last year and, and missed the whole season. I think we saw with Branson, remember, he scored the final two touchdowns in the national championship game victory over TCU. That kind of just big, strong, powerful running back with some kick as well. So if he's back 100%, that's that's obviously enormous. But if you think about the running back depth, and I know we ran through this yesterday, so I apologize if I'm repeating myself from yesterday. But in 2017, when Georgia played for the national title, Kirby's second year, that's a year that started the Kirby dynasty. And Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift was third string, three of the best to ever play at Georgia. I mean, Brian Harrington and Elijah Holyfield were next up. You move on that national championship team from 2021, Zamir White and James Cook, who are both doing great in the NFL. Studs. Kenny McIntosh was a number three guy, great player, who had one of the best all-around seasons for a Georgia back in terms of running it and catching it in 2022 for the national championship game. And he had Edwards and Milton fourth and fifth. So can we kind of get that depth rebuilt there at the running back position? and also get that top-end, top-level play. So for me, along with everything, and again, Kirby's going to say, we've got to get better at everything. We've got to develop 
everything. But to me, those are four areas, I think, as we look ahead to the spring. And I'm still enjoying what Georgia did this past season. It was such a great year. But I, I do think those are four areas uh, to think about as you start peeking at it. Because we're under 200 days till Georgia and Clemson kick things off in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Watching the dogs here about to crank up batting practice here. First pitch, our marker seven first pitch set for 302 today. And it's such a great – it's actually a little cloudy and overcast now. But looking at the Dan McGill Tennis Complex off in the distance on just a gorgeous, gorgeous day. Again, you'll take this weather. Uh, let's say hello to some Twitterverse out there. Thank you to Palmer Prescott, who's listening in from Tybee Island. Palmer, go put your toes in the surf. And thank you very much. Thank you to Todd DeYoung. Opening day, let's go, dogs. Uh, thank you, Mr. DeYoung. Uh, his son, Max – uh, is a young pitcher, I say a young pitcher, a veteran pitcher for the Bulldogs. And uh, he came in in that class with Fernando Gonzalez, Corey Collins, and Colin Caldwell, who unfortunately is injured. Colin will be back next year. But appreciate you listening there, Mr. DeYoung. My buddy Andy Birch of the Voice of the Auburn Tigers tweeted in a big hello. All us radio guys like to dial in and pay attention to what we're all doing across the spectrum there. Thank you to Jay Red who says, go dogs. And how about this? A great American, Jordan Myers. Good morning from Tyndall Air Force Base in Panama City. Uh, glad you guys are back and it's finally baseball season. Go dogs. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you, Mr. Shanks. And we appreciate you, the great Bill Shanks. That's always nice to see. Uh, Wyatt Fielding, thank you very much for the kind words there. Wyatt ready to get the season started and let's see huh jimmy durham texted us in or tweeted us in and george is playing at georgia state on tuesday and he said why is there no ticketing information i have no idea and the answer to that is i think it's probably just a walk up and there might be 200 people there at the bus yard which is always my least favorite road trip of the season so, looking at the Georgia baseball schedule this year, uh, we're obviously heavy on the Diamond Dogs here today. One of the things that you're going to see uh, peeking ahead towards next year and the year after is ratcheting things up a bit in the non-conference schedule before we hit SEC play. So, we go UNC Asheville, Northern Kentucky, Tech, and Northern Colorado on the weekends. And now we do have non-conference games, Georgia Southern against Iowa, or at least names. And Georgia Southern's always got a terrific program. Play Stetson, who's usually got a very good team. Uh, and then Wofford, and then the SEC play, uh, Georgia goes, starts off at Kentucky, which to me is just ridiculous. It's going to be probably snowing and freezing cold up there. Uh, Kentucky, Arkansas, Missouri, those schools should be on the road the first two weekends of SEC play. And I think their players would agree to that. So, just uh, that is one thing I do think you'll see different. I know when Wes, Georgia's new head coach, was previously at Mississippi State and Arkansas, and then at LSU, they would often play. There are a couple of tournaments in Houston and Dallas that have the best of the SEC and the best of the Big 12 going head-to-head. -head. That's going to be a little bit different now with Texas and Oklahoma, of course, coming into the SEC but at least dial things up some in terms of the caliber of competition. And that's one of the things I think uh, Coach Perno in the glory days 
back 04, 06, 08, and we played Florida State, Baylor, Oregon State, Southern Cal, UCLA, uh, really played elite programs, not only from the South, like Florida State, of course, play Clemson and Tech every year, but played some of the top programs from out West, you know, teams as you've seen in the College World Series through the years with great histories. And in the end, what that does, it battle tests you for the SEC. Now, there might have been a, a couple of years where I don't want to say you bit off more than you could chew, but that might be a reason we had a, a, a rare down record. But then at the same time, it lets you identify who can produce, who can't, and begin preparing at some point for that next season. And Kirby is in the same boat. You know, Kirby will play anybody. And that's why we were so disappointed when the SEC, because of the impending expansion, made Georgia and Oklahoma pull out of that early game. Now, that wasn't an opener this past year. It was week two. But just uh, to get that battle test. And I, honestly, I think it showed for Georgia last year. They were great wins. But as opposed to having that game at Oklahoma, win or lose, that first huge test with South Carolina, it was scary. First road game at Auburn. Now, we, we didn't have that test in Norman, and that was scary. And those were great wins for Georgia, great comeback wins. But uh, this season, obviously, there will be the test with the Clemson Tigers opening things up. And Clemson, they won their last five games last year, so don't go to sleep on them. They you know, reach a point. When 9-4, 10-3 is a down year, and Clemson went 9-4 and four last year and again closed strong, uh, that's a team that's still very good and is just a piece or two away. So uh, by no means, Georgia fans, don't get cocky. Do not take those Clemson Tigers lightly when Georgia and Clemson open up Labor Day weekend at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I wish that game was on campus. Of course, we opened in Charlotte in the 2021 season. I think, this is, I, do, I think this is the last of those neutral site openers here. So, you know, we got Clemson coming up down the road. I guess UCLA in 25 and 26. Now, so much of this stuff could change uh, with the changing nature of college football. But... Uh, I, I do love having that strong opponent in the opener. Uh, Georgia baseball, by the way, today opening up with the UNC Asheville Bulldogs. They are coming off of a 26-26 and 26 season out of the Big South Conference. And, again, they're also named the Bulldogs. The Georgia Bulldogs last season went 29-27, and 27, and the Dogs in SEC play were 11-19, and 19, eliminated first round of the SEC tournament by South Carolina. And uh, the SEC has said, by the way, what they're going to do for the uh, conference tournament moving ahead for baseball. It's going to look just like basketball. You're going to have all 16 teams make it. That's starting next season. And the top four get double buys. And it will be a single elimination event, which is good because the format of that thing is just incredibly difficult to explain. All right, the Bulldogs are taking batting practice right now, which is fantastic to see. I'm hoping my man Christopher Lakos might come and join us here. He's running around. He's no doubt the busiest person in the booth here today as we get you all set for Georgia baseball opening day from Foley Field. And we appreciate you spending time with us on a Friday afternoon. We'll also have the five for the weekend as we continue on lunchtime in Athens here on the Superstations. <laughs>
girl in my neighborhood. Her name is Charlotte Johnson, and she's really looking good. Oh, man, that's awesome. Well, David Johnson and yours truly will bring you all the action today for Georgia baseball. Pre-game show gets underway at 2.40. We have a tape delay for you on the Superstations, but around the network. 7 o'clock tonight following the Bill Shank Show. And first pitch set for just after 3 o'clock. Coach Johnson, I like this. He's starting earlier. It's good for the players, good for the fans. These 5 o'clock starts this time of year. Yeah, the weather might be pretty good when you start, but the second that big old orange ball in the sky starts to go down, Boy, it gets cold quick. Yeah. And they're playing a song called the 98 Braves, which is kind of a sad country song. And the singer here is comparing his romance with the 98 Braves, with all those pitchers and Andrew and Chipper, and he just felt like they couldn't lose. Just like he thought that romance couldn't go south, but it turns out, it did. So just one of those songs that kind of gets in your head. And that might be Bill Shank's favorite song ever. We'd be the 98 Braves. What do you think about that one? So Christopher Lakos going to stick his head in here in just a second. He has been a very busy man, the very best at what he does. America's premier baseball lesson. There you go, Lake. Go ahead and slide those headphones on there. Uh, Chris is the man. Best baseball SID in America, great bulldog. Uh, so what's happening today? Well, a little bit of everything. Uh, I heard there's a baseball game at Foley Field. There seems to be a different set of guys in different color uniforms than just the red and the black. So we got some blue bulldogs from uh, just up the road in Asheville. And an easy trip down for these guys at uh, Lake. Uh, here we go, the West Johnson era. We had our first pitch banquet uh, last weekend, I think a lot of excitement around the program. And one of the things uh, our fans, we might not see that much of it this year, but a lot of improvements at Foley Field. In step one, just like with football and the, the West End Zone, the recruiting lounge there, first for the players in recruiting, then we'll see a lot more amenities for our fans beginning next year. Jay Reed Parker, Director of Athletics, Josh Brooks, just doing a terrific Terrific job there. One of the things we say about Josh, his background was in facilities, so he really recognizes the importance of that and the, the new team meeting rooms and the locker rooms is great and the stuff we're going to have for our fans coming up here in the near future at Foley Field is going to be outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, to the casual fan, if you come into Foley Field, you may not recognize a lot of things that have already been done. As Jeff mentioned, the locker room and the team meeting room, that's not something that the a average fans are going to see. But uh, they will notice uh, some additional work down the first baseline as far as uh, extra batting cages down there. Uh, along with the bullpen that you're used to seeing. Um, uh, one of the new things in the SEC ballparks, if you hadn't already had it, and uh, Georgia has added it, is the in-game pitch clock. So, you know, you used to have to look up at the scoreboard and see everything, but this, uh, it helps uh, not only for the fans to be able to uh, central location, and that's just the clock there, but it's also helpful for the umpires too. But uh, And then all the electrical work uh, underneath uh the field to kind of get it ready for the next stage of the construction project. Uh, but the lights, uh, new LED lights, and uh, they'll have some colored lights too going uh, after home runs uh, that uh, we'll see once uh, we start playing a little later 
uh, later first pitch times than, than perhaps today. Well, I haven't peeked at the lineup that you brought up here yet, but I'm going to guess Charlie Condon's in the lineup today. Let's talk about Charlie and Lake. We've seen so many of the great ones. You know, when I think about the, the, the turn of the century with Jeff Kepinger through Beckham and Poitras and Fields and Startup and on up through Kyle Farmer. Uh, Charlie Condon, he's at the top of the list, and, and you start going back uh, way back you know, to players like Charlie Trippy. Billy Henderson, of course, Derek Lilliquist, Chris Carpenter, Don Perno, J.R. Showalter, Brian Jester, all the greats. Uh, Charlie's already on that list, and he has a chance uh, to go down as one of the very best, not just to play at Georgia, but to play in the SEC. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be recognized as not only the SEC Freshman of the Year. Uh, Jeff, I've got to take this call. I'm sorry. Yep. I'll be okay. right back. No problem. This is a busy banner. Here, hand me that sheet of paper while you're at it. Thank you, Lake. Listen, this man's – I mean, anytime. See, that's important when you just <laughs> jump right off an interview. Uh, to take a call. He's a busy man. That's what happens when you're the busiest man here. It's like something the great Bill Shanks would do. Uh, and, again, Bill will be back with you uh, regular time from 3 to 7. But, again, mentioning with, with, with Charlie and Coach Johnson said, and, again, he was a pitching coach at LSU last year. They won the national championship. They had the pitcher of the year in Paul Skeens. They had the player of the year and Dylan Cruz, and he said he felt like Charlie was the second-best right-handed hitter behind Dylan Cruz. And uh, when you look at the numbers, you know, Lake, as we were running through, uh, I, I get the new analytics and some of the new data, but he was top two, top five in the SEC in the numbers we grew up with, homers, average, RBIs, runs scored. Uh, this guy is a legit dude, and what a great young man he is as well. Yeah, absolutely. Was super excited to get into uh, the business school last year towards the end of the year. Um, you know, he's a, he's a redshirt sophomore, so it's his third year here in Athens, but uh, tremendous character, a great, great family comes from. Uh, his parents say they try to go to as many games, and uh, they they both went to school in the SEC, but they didn't go to Georgia. But uh, we're glad that uh, Charlie chose the red and black. And uh, one thing that uh, that Coach Johnson has alluded to, if you've listened to any of his interviews, is how they are helping Charlie and and all these guys in trying to show some versatility. So in the fall, these guys played all over. Uh, to see, you know, they can mix and match. And, uh, and so today we're going to see Charlie Condon at third base. Uh, fans who, who came to the games last year, you know, they saw him play left. They saw him play right, saw him play first. But uh, basically in the fall, Charlie played everywhere except pitcher and catcher. And uh, that's not to say that he's going to play, you know, seven different positions this year. But uh, at the same time, you know, he's going to get drafted because of his bat. But also, if you can show the professional scouts that uh, you have that versatility, uh, that's going to help your draft stock even more. And perhaps the team will look at you a little differently than just, hey, here's a slugger that we need to go get. And I think part of that, too, you're – seeing different players in different spots because the key is and I think if there's one thing West being around the league for so long and, and like you and I have talked about this once you get into conference play tryouts have got to be over you got to know who your guys are and what spots they're in so I've got 100 bucks in my wallet I got 99 that says Charlie's going to be the first baseman when SEC play rolls around <laughs> I mean he, he and, and he should be you know unless we see something uh, completely great uh, extraordinary happen here but 
that is, I like what you were saying. That's a great point about showing different things for the scouts, but also just putting players in different positions and situations because once you get into that grind of the league, there's nothing like it. And my friend, as we say, you got to know who your guys are at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that uh, this staff looked for well, once they got on board was trying to find a lot of players that did have flexibility in terms of uh, they went out and got some right-handed hitters, they got some left-handed hitters, and guys that could potentially play different positions. So just as you have the, the, the chess game when you bring in the lefty or the righty, you know, uh, Georgia can, can match that with a guy from the other side. Or if he's got, say, a really good slider, you know, you can bring in a hitter that uh, maybe a left-handed hitter that can, can handle that slider. And, and the same goes from the right side of the batter's box. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, the, these early part of the games before we get into SEC play is how much mixing and matching that we have uh, not only in the lineup but also on the mound. Uh, one one stat that uh, Wes uh, has talked about too is just uh, while we do have a lot of experienced pitchers, uh, a lot of these guys have not been in starting roles, and there's only four guys on the team that have ever thrown more than five innings in wow. a game. Wow. Uh, and one of them is Charlie Condon who will get the ball um, Charlie Goldstein. Uh, yeah. Excuse me, yeah, Charlie Goldstein. Like, oh my gosh, two Charlies. <laughs> yeah, Charlie can pitch too now. But, uh, yeah, Goldstein, he'll, he'll be the, uh, the starter today. But then you'll have Christian Marachna, who they added. Uh, uh, he just graduated from George Mason, and he's been exclusively a kind of a closer in his career. But they're going to kind of lengthen him out and try to make him a starter. And then uh, on Sunday, Leighton Finley will go. And, and he uh, was a, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, the closer towards the end of the year. So really good arms, but a, but a lot of options. And, and now is the time to see who can do what when you're, we're facing somebody else. Just a couple other things to touch on here, Lake, before I let you run. Uh, another big key is going to be, that group of sophomore pitchers, you mentioned Leighton Finley, Jarvis Evans, Colton Smith, those guys who got their feet wet a year ago. Uh, hopefully we'll get Matthew Hoskins back later this season. Uh, we saw a lot of good things and a lot of potential, but if this Georgia team's going to make a run into the postseason and hopefully all the way to the College World Series, Chris, in my opinion, I think that core of sophomore pitchers as a whole, that they're really going to have to make that jump and produce. And I've got confidence that they can. Yeah, absolutely. And you usually see that the biggest jump uh, in college, especially in the SEC, is from that freshman to sophomore year because now they've figured it out. Now they've seen what it looks mm-hmm. like. They know how to take care of their bodies. You know, we've got nutrition uh, staff. We've got a great strength and conditioning staff. We've got mental health. I mean, everything is in place for these two guys to succeed. And, and uh, along with going to school and the academics, you know, they, they have learned after going through that first season it's like hey this is a grind I've got to be able to to be able to handle the workload both on and off the field I got to be able to take care of my body and uh, and if they want to play at the next level as most of these guys have dreams of playing professional baseball they know that they've got to uh, take care of, of everything that goes into uh, trying to be a successful student athlete well, I've already begged the pardon for, for you me DJ uh, not just new faces uh, in the dugout there uh, with our fans. Uh, give us a couple of weeks here to learn all these new faces <laughs> and, and numbers because uh, this day and age in college athletics, there's that third piece to the recipe with the portal uh, to go along with your freshmen and your returnees and uh, a lot of talented uh, newcomers here. And I think that that's another part of, of what is going to make this fun, watching this team gel here in the early part of the season. Absolutely. And, and I'll give you one nugget that uh, you may not find in all the notes and everything, but – Charlie Goldstein, his roommate, is Dylan Goldstein, one of our new guys out of the portal, came a slugger from FAU. Uh, They're not related, but they are roommates. So uh, don't call their place and ask for Goldstein because they'll be 
both answering. I, I met Dylan at the bank and I said, hey, you Charlie's little brother? He kind of laughs. He's like, oh, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> but they live together. Uh, mass confusion there. Like, I'm, I'm going to do this. is going to be fun. Hey, who do you think's good in the SEC? Well, we've only got eight of the top 15 and six of the top 10, five of the last six national champions, five different schools uh, going there. And, of course, we've had, what, three SEC versus SEC in the last five years. The, the bottom line in this league, even the bad teams in this league are good, and you better be ready every weekend. Yeah, I, I think that there will be at least one SEC team uh, in that final College World Series. Uh, uh, the trendy pick, Wake Forest, because they were unbelievable last year, and they're even better this year, and they picked up Chase Burns, uh, Tennessee's top pitcher. And so, you know, I look for them to be in the mix too. And then uh, probably Oregon State, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that they, they – uh, you know, the Pac-12, they hung them out to dry, but they may have the last laugh uh, at the College World Series. So I think anybody in the SEC is capable of playing and winning the national championship. But if I had to pick two other teams to kind of keep an eye on, it would be Wake Forest and Oregon State. Yeah, that's why I joke. Yeah, the, the quote unquote, the bad teams in the SEC are still top 40 of the country. There's just not an easy weekend. And, of course, uh, before you know it, it'll be conference action Laker, and we'll have to – Bust out the parkas for that trip to Kentucky, yeah. where I'm sure it'll be snowing. Yeah, that that was a little too chilly for my liking. But uh, well, we had that, and then the football game up there in 22 was just uh, a lot of cold up yeah. in Lexington, my friend. Toboggan and gloves. That's well, not baseball weather. Well, Lake, uh, you are the very best at what you do, my friend. And uh, I guess you are heading into oh gosh, was this year number 31 for you as a. Uh, George's Baseball Sports Information Director. The very best. Appreciate the time, and I know we'll uh, get you on the road again this year. Thank you, bud. Thank you. That is the great Christopher Nikos, and he does just a phenomenal job with the Georgia baseball program. Uh, We'll start to put a bow on this one and get you ready for some Georgia baseball today. And I know Bill's going to be talking about those pitchers and catchers and seeing if the the Braves pitching staff, if all those guys can stay healthy as well. Uh, So excited to get Georgia baseball going. Uh, Thank you to Chris Rogers for all of his great work today. And, of course, you can listen to David Johnson and yours truly throughout the year. All right, let's do the five very quickly, five big events coming up this weekend. And, uh, thank you to our friends from Arrowhead Tool. Uh, you got the Daytona 500 coming up on Sunday, America's Race. Love the 500. It is odd that they start with the Super Bowl. You've got Georgia baseball. You know, we've been talking about that a lot today. Diamond Dogs opening up play. Enormous basketball game. We told you yesterday what the seats are going for. 295 for a single SRO, right at 2300 for a pair. Courtside, Kentucky at Auburn. Uh, you've got the PGA Tour at Riviera as they wrap up the West Coast Swing. And usually, a, a good, the way it's set up for whatever reason, players who play well at Riviera tend to play well at Augusta. Bubba Watson, obviously a two-time Masters champion, won three times at Riviera. So if you want to uh, maybe get a, a sleeper Masters pick or two, keep an eye on the leaderboard this weekend. And men's hoops, Georgia basketball hosting the Florida Gators. Talk to you later today. Thank you, Chris Rogers. Great work. Back with you lunchtime in Athens on Monday. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. 